Philippians chapter 2, we've been there for a good while. Uh, the last, pretty much from the beginning of Philippians 2, <clears throat> excuse me, from verse 1 all the way to where we're going to see today. We're going to look at verse 12 through 18 today. It, it's about church, it's about this church in Philippi. It's about their unity, their they're uh, being together in one mind, one body. And you reach that. We saw it. If you hadn't been with us the last couple of weeks, the beginning starts. He says, I want you to have this mind in you. If you're in a part of the body of Christ, I want you to have the mind of Christ. And it says that mind of Christ does, it does two things. It esteems others better than himself. We're talking about within the body here. It's, it esteems others better than yourself. And it, uh, it thinks on the things of others, not just on our own things. And we saw that pretty pretty clear the last couple of weeks. And so the, the last week we talked about this is not an easy task. It's not something that we're going to just flip a light switch and say, hey guys, I'm going to do better now. I'm going to think on my own, other, other people's things. I'm going to have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to worry about it no more. I'm going to be good. It's something that you have to work at. He tells us to work out our salvation, but he also tells us that the power to do it is not in ourselves. He says, you work out your salvation because it's God that works in you to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so we know that it's not in our own strength that we do it. It's in our, it's in our relationship with God. It's in the Holy Spirit that lives with us, within us, that we have this unity, that we're able to uh, look on others. And last week, we kind of really got into verse 14 is where we're going to start this, this week. Um, verse 14 through 18 is what we're going to look at. Uh, and, and that kind of, he told us kind of what it looks like. Uh, you know, it's one thing to say, Hey guys, we all need to be unified. We all need to be one body. We need to be loving one another. We need to, we need to be fellowshipping with one another. That's what the body of Christ does. It's what we're called to do. But it's another thing to actually put that into practice in my own personal life. And Paul doesn't leave it out there in the air somewhere where we can just say, yeah, you're right. We need to, we need to get together and be unified. He tells us specifically what we need to do, what I need to do. You in your personal life in, in verse 12, in verse 14, he tells us that we're to do all things without murmuring and disputing. And so that's one of the things right there that, that just applies it to you and me without just leaving it out in the open saying, you know, we all just need to do better. Come on, let's get, come on guys. <clears throat> let's just do better. He tells us what we need to do. And so that kind of tells us what it looks like to have the mind of Christ, what it looks like to esteem others better than yourself, what it looks like to think on the things of others rather than the things of yourself, to, to do all things without murmurings and disputings. And we're going to talk about that as we, as we get through it. But there's something that I've missed <clears throat> in the last couple of weeks. And I need you to understand this before we go any further, before I even look at verses 14 through 18 is what we're going to look at today. There's something that I missed the last couple of weeks and it's something I, 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 I don't know, I guess I just overlooked it. But we're talking about unity. We're talking about being together. We're talking about uh, loving one another. We're talking about agreeing with one another. We're talking about not disputing. We're talking about not murmuring. But I need you to understand that he is talking to the Philippians as the body of Christ. This does not mean, in Paul's writings, you can see it clearly. This does not mean that we throw doctrine to the wind and we say, oh, we all just need to be unified. And we all know that is so anti Paul's writings because he 
He spends a lot of time talking about doctrine. He spends a lot of time talking about don't have fellowship with those who preach a different gospel. He spends a lot of time saying, you know, those that are walking uh, 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 not according to this rule, you mark those and note those and have no company with those. So when he's talking about unity, we're talking about within the body of Christ. And I'm kind of taking it for granted. I guess that's why I missed it over the last couple of weeks. I just made I just needed to make sure that's in your brain. We're not talking about, hey, you know, we all just need to get along. And this thing about truth, it's not a big deal. This thing about sin is not a big deal. What the Bible calls sin. We don't really worry about all those things. We just kind of get along and be unified. That's not what Paul's talking about right here. We uh, understand that he spent most of his letters. You can look at all of Paul's letters with the exception probably of Philemon. Uh, almost all of Paul's letters is, are dealing in some way or in some shape or some form with false doctrine and combating that false doctrine and saying, no, that's, that's, we don't have fellowship with that. We don't go and, uh, and join ourselves with those. We don't, we're not yoked to unbelievers. We, we believe who the true Christ is. We spent the whole, uh, I don't know how many months going through first John. It's all about doctrine. It's all about, they went out from among us. It's all about, it's all about, uh, living a According to the truth. So we don't say that if a person says, you know, my lifestyle is good, even though the Bible calls it sin, we don't join with them and say, well, we just all need to be unified. So let's go ahead and forget all that doctrine stuff. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, but in the body of Christ, those of us who believe in Christ, those of us who've trusted him, born again by the spirit, we understand that we are part of this body of Christ. We understand that we are to be unified in this body of Christ. And so what that means, what we're going to see today, let me just read the four verses or the five verses, 14 through 18. He tells us, he tells us before he moves to the next section, he says, do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if, if I be offered upon the sacrifice of the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause. Also do you, ye joy and rejoice with me. Now, in that first verse, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Uh, that's something it's easy for us to kind of just read over that. But there's some assumptions that Paul's making in that verse. The assumption is, I'll go ahead and tell you what it is before I explain it to you. The assumption is that you are actively involved in the fellowship of the body of Christ. You are actively involved in the fellowship of the local church. Remember, he's writing to this church that's in Philippi. And he's telling them, he's telling them, I need you guys, you church at Philippians. He could just as well be writing the letter to Christ Church of Brownsville. I need you guys in your fellowship to do all things without, without murmurings and disputings. Now, there's two things that he's assuming in there. Now, the first one is that you're in, the thing is that you're in active fellowship. But the first way he assumes it is that the, the verb here is a plural. Now, in English, I know it's, it's uh, it's a little different than a lot of other languages. If you know Spanish or French or anything like that, I don't know any of them languages, but if you know them, they're the same way. We don't say we have one word, you, and that word applies if I'm talking to a one person, you, or if I'm talking to a whole group of people, I'll say you need to do this and I'm talking to all y'all. 
Uh, if I'm talking to one person one-on-one, I say, you need to do this. It's the same word. But in uh, most other languages, there are different words for if I'm talking to y'all, as they say it in the South, or if I'm talking to you. And when it says do all things, the verb is plural. He's assuming that he's talking to the body. It's not just me and my Bible out under the tree somewhere and I don't need nobody else and I don't need all them folks. The people that he's speaking to, the people that would have received this instruction would have understood he's talking to the church at Philippi. He's talking to the body and it's plural. So what we say, what we're saying here is basically if Paul was a southerner, he'd say, I need y'all to do all things without murmurs. I need all y'all to do all things without murmurs. The second thing that uh, leads me to see this assumption is that it, it assumes that you're actively involved because let's face it. I mean, isn't it a whole lot easier just to disconnect from the body of Christ? Isn't it, isn't it easier just to disconnect from fellowship, to disconnect from service in the body, to disconnect from, from all those things? Because, I mean, if we're going to just be honest this morning, messing around with people, especially church people, is a messy thing. I mean, people, people have their own feelings. We're all sinners. We're all, we're all wretched to the core, still have this flesh on us. And when we deal with folks, when we have to interact with folks, when we try to love on folks, when we minister to folks, when we're just involved with each other, it gets messy. People don't treat us the way we think we should be treated. Some people are smart mouth. I don't know who in here is smart mouth. (laughs) We all having that. Some people... Don't return the love that you try to show to people. Some people don't return the care. I mean, it just gets messy. It's easy to get hurt. It's easy to have your feelings hurt. It's easy for all that to go on. And so really, it's just easier for us to disconnect from everything and say, you know what? I'm just going to go and mind my own business. I'm going to listen to the sermon. I'm going to listen to the music and I'm going to head home. I'm not going to worry about all the fellowship. I'm not going to worry about getting involved in people's lives. I'm not going to worry about weeping with those who weep and and rejoicing with those who rejoice. I'm not going to worry about all that kind of stuff because it's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too messy. It hurts when you get hurt. It's difficult when I have to deal. I got my own problems. I don't want to have to deal with everybody else's problems. I don't want to have to deal with everybody else's personality. Isn't that what Paul said in this chapter? Don't think on your own things, but think on the things of others. So he's assuming, really, if that's, if that's you, if that's whoever, and you've disconnected from fellowship, you really have no temptation to do anything with murmuring and disputing, do you? Because the only time you have disputes is when you're in fellowship with people. The only time you're, you're tempted to really murmur is when, uh, when you, you are within the body of Christ and you're actively involved. So if, if a person disconnects from fellowship, if they disconnect from the local body of the church, and I'm not just talking about this church, if this is not the only body of Christ, so if you, if you can't fellowship here, you need to go somewhere else where you can. I've said that over and over again. But you have to be in fellowship with a local body somewhere. And so when he, when he says, do all things without murmuring and disputing, He's pretty much assuming that the people to whom he's writing are actively involved in the fellowship because they're tempted. I got to be honest. When you're in fellowship with sinners, which is what we are, sinners saved perfectly by the grace of Christ. In the father's eyes, we're perfect. But walking around down here, we're not perfect yet. And so when you're dealing with people, the temptation is strong to dispute 
The temptation is strong to to murmur, even if you suck it up, like we said last week. You know, sometimes I can suck it up and just say, you know what? They hurt my feelings. I'm going to go on. But it's easy for me to walk around the corner and say, can you believe what they did to me? Can you believe what so-and-so did to me? So he's assuming here that you're actively involved. So if if you're a person maybe who just, you know what? I, I gave it a try and it was hard and it hurt and my feelings got hurt. And I'm not talking about, I'm not saying you're, you're a big old baby for getting your, I'm saying you really got your feelings hurt. It's a real deal. I'm not making light of it. But if you're, if you're one of the folks that have disconnected and say, you know what? It's just too, it's too hurtful. It's too messy. It's too hard. I mean, it's difficult. Understand that this command really wouldn't apply to you. Paul doesn't leave that option on the table. He says you do all things. Without murmuring or disputing, he's assuming that you're doing these things in the fellowship of the body of Christ. Because it would be, the command would make absolutely no sense if you had disconnected yourself. There wouldn't be a need for murmuring and disputing. There wouldn't be a need for all those things. You, you could say a person who, who could come in at the 1030 service after about, I don't know, 15 minutes after we started and sit on the back row and leave as Brother Eddie's given the invitation and nobody would ever know they were here. Nobody would ever know the things they're going through. They wouldn't know anybody among the church. You know, there wouldn't be much temptation for that person to do things with murmurings and disputing because they're not around anybody in the body of Christ. They're not here. They're not involved in fellowship. And so this command assumes, it assumes that you and I, the people who are receiving this letter, it assumes that we are actively involved in the body of Christ. And so what he's telling us, let's, let's put that aside for a moment and just say, okay, now we're talking to people who are actively invested in the body of Christ. And I'm talking about when I say actively invested in the church or actively fellowship in the church. When I say that, when I say church, don't think about the sheetrock. Don't think about the building. I'm talking about the people. So someone could come and they could say, you know what? Well, I don't know what he's talking about because I go every Sunday. That guy that comes in and, you know, I'm just whoever and sits on the, on the, on the back row 10 minutes after church starts and leaves 10 minutes before church is over. That guy has, yes, technically come to the body of Christ, come to the fellowship of saints, but he's not in the fellowship of the saints. He's not fellowshiped with anyone. He's not invested his life with anyone. He's not done anything to uh, put himself into a place where he is able to minister and be ministered to. That person could walk out of here, never talking to a soul and say, I did pretty good. I didn't murmur or dispute about anything. Understand, Paul would not include that. That's not that's not an option that's left on the table. What he's talking about here is people that are invested in the church. He's talking about people that are actively involved and he's just assuming it. I mean, he's not saying he, he, he didn't have to tell the Philippians, hey guys, y'all really need to be with each other. Y'all really need to be loving each other and being united together. He doesn't have to really tell them that because it was going on. He's writing the letter to the church at Philippi. And he says, do all things without murmuring or disputing. And so putting that aside for a moment, for us who are here, for us who are investing, for you guys, I'm looking around, you guys are invested in the body. He tells us, you know, there's a huge temptation for you to be disputing 
and to be murmuring and to be, you know, and I take take all those things. If you need an example of that, think of the people in, in, of Israel in the wilderness. That's exactly disputing and murmuring are the same two terms that are used in the in the Old Testament for what they did. You know what they were doing? They they would go and God delivered them from Egypt. God delivered them out of this this uh, oppressive slavery and, you know, rain down plagues and miracles and the Red Sea parted and a fire pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And you got all that going on, all these miracles, all these divine things that they see that can't be denied. God is in their midst. And what did they do? They spent the whole time going, we ain't got nothing to eat. We should have went back to Egypt. We ain't got nothing to drink. We, it was better off for us to go on back. I don't know who put Moses in charge. You know, they got all that kind of stuff going on. You see Miriam and all them and, and uh, the ground opened up and swallowed somebody. And I mean, just all of this stuff because they had all these disputes, all these murmurings, all these things. The people of God, he says, the people of God murmured when they didn't have water. When they didn't have food, when they, when God gave them bread from heaven, I mean, bread from heaven on a daily basis says, I'll provide for your need. You take just enough for that day and tomorrow I will give you some more and you won't have to worry about what do they do. They didn't praise God. They murmured and said, we want some meat. I mean, I can kind of relate to that, but they murmured and disputed the whole time. And so he tells us, look. Understand that when you, I understand that you've heard me say from, from this pulpit, you've heard Brother Eddie say from this pulpit that you and I need to be invested in each other's lives. We need to be loving one another, not from afar, but just, but in, in relationship with each other. We need to be fellowshipping together. We need to be unified in advancing the gospel together as a body, as a body of Christ. And so when we do that, understand that I know it's messy. It's hard. It's easy to get hurt. It's easy for people to stab you in the back. It's easy. You know why? Because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. And so really you should expect that it's going to be hard. You should expect that it's going to hurt. You should expect that you're going to get your feelings hurt sometimes. You should expect that, you know, people are not going to return the same care that you try to give to them. You should expect that. And he says, look, if you're going to esteem others better than yourself, I keep saying that because we read that in verse uh, two and three. If you want to go back sometime and read the rest of this chapter, all this is one long, uh, one long argument from Paul. So I'm kind of connecting them together. He says, if you're going to esteem others better than yourself, like it says in verse two and verse three, If you're going to think on the things of others rather than just the things of yourself, basically, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, what you what that looks like. Step one, if you need a practical example, he says, I want you to do all things without murmuring and disputing. I want you to do all things without murmuring and disputing that there be no disputes among you, no fellowship. Now, remember, I started this whole thing. By telling you, we're not talking about being united with people that uh, deny the gospel, being united with people that deny right doctrine. We're talking about within the body of Christ, in the local fellowship of believers. It says, do all things without murmuring or disputing. Now, how important is that? Because basically, y'all are all looking at me and I'm standing up here and I'm, it's like, okay, I got it. It's another, it's another rule, you know, just... Come on, guys, do better is what I'm telling you, what it sounds like I'm telling you. Come on, guys, do better. How important is it really? 
I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I'm going to try, and, you know, that's what we need to do. I want you to look at the rest of this all the way down to verse 18. And I want to show you how important what this, is, what this means. The, Paul says the purpose of doing all things without murmuring and disputing is so that you will have a testimony for Christ. So the, so the body will have a testimony for Christ. Understand what he says. Look in verse uh, 15. He says that you may be. He says that. Do all things without murmuring and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. There's a saying that I I, I say it all the time and I, I really believe it's true. If something's inconsistent, then it's not true. It's pretty much pretty much the way it is. If it's inconsistent. It's not true. Now, we have a tendency to deceive ourselves. You know, you've heard the guy, uh, guy on, on death row that had killed 42 people that said, well, I'm really a good person. You know, OK, well, if it's inconsistent, it's, it's probably not true. But we tend to deceive ourselves. You you all know you all know lots of stories. The guy who who beats his wife and says, oh, I really love her. I mean, does he really love her if he beats her every day? That's kind of inconsistent. It's probably not true. What about the what about the uh, politician guys who are all about the global warming and they're warning everybody as they fly around on their Learjet, you know, all over the all over the planet with their million dollar house. And is that really consistent? It's, it's probably not true. They're probably not really worried about it. And so what, 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 what I'm saying here is when you think about having a testimony, when you think about what it means to be a testimony for Christ, to lift up Christ, to glorify Christ in the midst of this generation, what do you think of? Most of the time, if you're like me, you think of things like, you know, abstaining from sin. You think of things like worshiping in the midst of all of this, worshiping God, being a God worshiper. You think about, you think about, um, man, I don't know, uh, uh, telling people about Jesus going out on the street or going to your workplace or going to wherever and, and just fulfilling the great commission, going and telling people about the gospel and all those things. And all those things are part of the great commission. They're part of the testimony of God. It's part of lifting up Christ in the midst of this generation. But one thing that I don't think of a lot, and you probably don't either, is being in fellowship with the body of Christ without disputing and murmuring. That is a testimony to Jesus Christ. Look what he says. He says, do all things without murmuring and disputing that so that you may be blameless and harmless. This is not before God. This is not about your salvation. This is the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The very first part of the next verse says, holding forth the word of life. We'll stop there. So understand that our being unified, our being part of the body of Christ, our being in fellowship with one another, it glorifies Christ. It's a testimony to who he is. Now think about this. When you go, let's say tomorrow, you go to your job or you go to your workplace, or you go to your school, wherever it is that you're going, and you have it in your mind tomorrow. You've set your mind, set your heart to go and tell someone about Christ, to go and share the gospel with someone. What are you saying to them? Basically, 
You know, in, in so many words, no matter how you do it, you're telling them that they're a sinner, that, that we are all wretched and absolutely worthless, sinful, uh, nasty in the sight of God. We are all that way because of sin, because of who we are, because of what we've done. You're also telling them that Jesus Christ has purchased perfection for us. He's purchased perfection uh, by, uh, through the Father, by the cross, by dying and sacrificing himself, living a perfect life that we couldn't live, sacrificing himself on the cross, dying, being raised from the dead. He has purchased life for us and he has purchased salvation and in him we are complete. This is what you're telling them if you're telling them the gospel. In him you have everything that you need for life and godliness. God the Father will look down upon you and he will see righteousness. He will see perfection, not because you're so good, but because Jesus is so good and because of what he did. That's what you're saying. And you're saying come and be united to this Christ who wants to save you. Come and be united to this body of believers who have been resurrected from the dead, born again, and are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come be part of this fellowship. That's what you're telling them. You're telling them that there is life, that there is peace to be found in Christ, that there is a joy unspeakable, that that all these worldly things are really not worth living for. You need to come and live for Christ and have the eternal reward of being with him and of enjoying fellowship with him. That's what you are telling them if you are spreading the gospel. And so when we as the body of Christ together in fellowship with one another, when we're bogged down in worldly disputes, when we're bogged down in so-and-so hurt my feelings, when we're bogged down in murmuring and, and talking about this thing and that thing and the other thing, when it seems like the world still has a hold of us and we're worried about what so-and-so said or, or this person didn't do what I thought they should and the world hears those things, what are we saying? We're saying that the way we live in the body of Christ is inconsistent with what we're telling them. Because we've told them that Jesus is enough. We've told them that this world doesn't matter. We've told them that there is life and peace and joy to be found in Christ. But yet, every time they see us, there's murmurings and disputings. Really? You have joy in Christ? Why are you so unhappy all the time? You have joy in Christ? Why are you at your brother's and sister's throat all the time? Why do you choose to stay away and be disconnected from them if, if Christ has united y'all together and you're a perfect family of God in God's eyes, righteous and perfect, not because you're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect. If that's true, what you're saying to me, this is a lost person that you're witnessing to, what you're saying to me doesn't really square with how you live. Even if we're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about if I say just like everybody else, I'm going to abstain from sin and I'm going to live holy in the world as best I can. And I'm going to be striving for the goal. I'm going to be enduring like a good soldier. I'm going to be doing all those things. There's another element that we need to add to the testimony of Christ. And that is fellowship with the body of Christ. Now, I know I harp on it a lot, but that's what happens when you go straight down Philippians. It, that's what's next. And so he says, look, do all things, verse 14, do all things without murmuring or disputing so that, 
you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of this crooked generation. This crooked generation, this crooked, perverse nation is looking at you. They're looking at you and you know that, you know, we could, we could talk about, you know, they're watching you when you go, when you go to work, they're watching you, you know, how you're going to act, how you're going to behave, all those kind of things. But they're also watching you as to where your priorities are. They're watching you as to, are you invested in this body of Christ thing? Remember, I'm not talking about the sheetrock. I'm talking about each other. Are you invested in your brothers and your sisters? Are you, are you living to uh, exhort them? Are you living to minister to them and be ministered to that by them? Are you living to grow in the fruits of the spirit, which happens as we fellowship with each other? That is the testimony of Christ. So it says that in verse 15. You dispute over worldly things. You murmur when you're not around. You disconnected from the fellowship. Understand, it's one thing for me to say, this is just me talking out loud. It's one thing for me if I would say, you know, if, if I was in that position, and I, and I very well can be. Don't think I'm immune from uh, uh, murmuring and disputing. When I'm in that, let's say when I'm in that position, I usually say things like, Man, that's not right. You know you need to come on. Come on, what's wrong with you? You know, I it's I done messed up. I need to I need to fix it. You know, I I shouldn't be like that. I should try. I understand that. I mean, and that's that's right to think that way. But it's a whole lot different for me, especially this week as I was studying through this passage. It's a whole lot different to understand. It's not just, oh, come on, man, you're not doing very good. You need to straighten that up. It's you have denigrated the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's for me, that's a whole lot, that's a whole lot scarier. That's a whole lot, that's a whole lot more weighty upon my, upon my, my heart. It's not just, oh darn, I messed up again. I need to quit that. It's that you have damaged the testimony of Christ among this perverse and crooked nation. You've damaged them by this, this, do, not doing all things with murmuring and disputing. You've damaged them by not having the mind of Christ, which esteems others in the body of Christ better than yourself and which, uh, which seeks unity in the body of Christ. You've damaged Jesus. You've damaged his testimony. Let's put it that way. Who he is. You've, you're telling them, basically, I mean, think about it. When, when I say, when I go tomorrow to... to uh, wherever it is you're going or when I go, I'm going to go to the hospital tomorrow. So when I go and I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know, let's spread the gospel. You guys need to hear about Jesus. I'm going to tell you all about what Jesus has done, who he is and all those kind of things. I'm going to do that. And then they understand that I really don't have an affinity for the body of Christ. I don't think it's worth investing in. I don't think it's worth spending my time fellowshipping with. I don't think it's worth my time to invest my life in, to be honest with you. It kind of hurts sometimes. People are not the, you know, people are still sinners, whether they're in church or out of church, whether they're saved or lost. So, you know, I understand it's going to be messy. And so I've decided, you know what? I don't need none of that. I'm just going to back off. What is when the world sees a person that's disputing and murmuring all the time that doesn't think on uh, the things of others in the body of Christ, who's not fellowship with with Christ? What do they think? They think Jesus must not be that powerful. Jesus must not be that great. 
Jesus must not be enough. Because understand, if all I do is spend my time disputing and murmuring and refusing to esteem, let's say, Curtis better than myself, refusing to think on the things of him, refusing to fellowship with him. What have I just said? Jesus is enough to pay for my sin, but not for his. I need him to act better. I need him to be better to me. I need him to do better. Now, Jesus is enough to pay for all my stuff. But when it comes to other people wronging me, oh, Jesus ain't enough for that. No, no, no. You got to come to me and you got to be sorry. And you got to, you know, you got to make amends. You got to do all these things. So what you're saying is what I'm saying when I do that is Jesus is not that powerful. Jesus is really not that big a deal. And I would, that hurts. I mean, if you're a believer, if you've got the spirit inside of you, that hurts. I mean, that hurts bad. And so it says, this is what I want you to do. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless without rebuke in this world. And then I want you to look at these next, these next, two, ver- these next two verses, 16, 17, 18, these next three verses. In 16, after he says, holding forth the word of life, that's the testimony that we have. He says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, understand what he's saying there. I mean, this is, I've told you from the beginning of today that this is important. But look how important it is to Paul. Look how important it is to Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's basically from the very first line of chapter two, he's basically told them, I want you to be unified. I want you to be in fellowship. I want you to be thinking on the things of others. I want you to love one another. Basically, he's told them that from the very beginning of this chapter. And here, as we're closing in on the end of it, he says, look, do all things without murmuring so that you will be a testimony to the world, holding forth the word of life. So that, why does he want him to be a testimony to the world, holding forth to the word of life? So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, that's kind of a, that's kind of a backhanded smack if you understand what he's saying. He said, look, if you don't, you refuse to live. In the body of Christ, you refuse to fellowship the body of Christ. You refuse to do all things without murmuring. Remember, I told you it assumes that you're actively involved. You refuse to do those things and you are are damaging the testimony of Christ in this perverse and crooked nation. You're you're damaging the testimony of who Jesus is. Paul basically says, when I stand before Christ, I'm going to have wasted my time with you. I'm going to have run in vain. I'm going to have labored in vain. He says, I want you to do these things. So when I stand before Christ, I won't have run in vain. I won't have labored in vain. He says, when I stand before Christ, all the work that I've done, all the ministry, if you go back to Acts, you can see that Paul started the church in Philippi. He started it with, uh, with Lydia, the seller of purple, and the Philippian jailer, and, and people like that. He started this church, and he watched it grow, and he ministered to them. And he says, look, understand, you need to, you need to realize that this is not just, hey guys, come on, y'all get together. Y'all need to do better. This is important because if you forsake this and say, you know what, forget it. I don't care. I'm going to have run in vain. He's basically saying you need to examine yourself whether you be in the faith or not. 
He's basically saying to you, it doesn't matter what you say that you are. It doesn't matter the church, the church at Philippi. We're going to see this as we, if we continue going through the book, the church at Philippi had sent him money. They had sent him Epaphroditus, a person to go and help him. They had invested these things in Paul's ministry. And Paul's basically saying all that doesn't make a hill of beans. If you don't fellowship with each other, if you don't love one another, if you're not involved with one another, if you don't do all things without murmuring, disputing those things, because when I stand before Christ, if you're not this, then I've run in vain. I have labored among you in vain. It is important. And so what he says is, he says in verse 17, 18, this is where we're in. Holding forth, 16 says, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He says, you're a testimony. You're blameless and harmless sons of God without rebuke in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, shining like lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. That means that among you, I have not run in vain. That's the evidence that they have been born again and they they are in fellowship with one another. They are in Um, unity with one another. And he says, basically, these last two verses, he's going to say, this right here, what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, fellowship, loving one another, doing all things without disputing, having the mind of Christ, esteeming others better than yourself, this right here that I'm talking about, it's so important, I am ready to die. I'm ready to, if if you fulfill this, if you complete this, if you're living this way as a church in Philippi, you know what, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. He says, yea, in verse 17, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, then I joy and I rejoice with y'all. He says, you know what? Do these things. He's told them from the very beginning of this chapter, mind of Christ, have it. What Jesus did, he humbled himself for you. You humble yourself for others. You have this mind of Christ within you. You esteem others better than yourself. You fellowship with one another. You are united with one another. You do these things. And if you live these, if you live out these things as a testimony to the perverse and crooked nation, then I'm ready to go. If I'm sacrificed on the, on the, on the service of your faith, then I, I rejoice in that. And then the last verse, he says, and you the same thing for the, for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. He says, I am willing and ready to die, understanding that if you are living this way, if you are abiding this way, I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about striving for this goal. If you're striving for this goal of unity and fellowship among one another, loving others, esteeming others better than yourself. He says, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die because I know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're going to be a testimony and the great, the great commission is going to be fulfilled in you because you are who Christ has made you to be. That is what this chapter has told us from the very beginning. Be who Christ has made you to be. He says, if you are this, I am ready to be sacrificed on the service of your faith. I'm ready to be sacrificed knowing that the service of your faith is going to do what it's been called to do. It's amazing today. Paul was ready to die for it. Now, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about he's ready to die. He's ready to die because he knows that 
they are living in fellowship with one another, loving one another, spreading the gospel of Christ as they live out the gospel of Christ in unity with one another. He's ready to die for it. Today, most people aren't even ready to live for it. Most people aren't ready to sacrifice. He's ready to sacrifice his life. I mean, he's in jail. We know the context of Philippians. He's in prison, Roman prison, and he doesn't know. The Philippians don't know whether he's going to get out or not. He's waiting to see Caesar. He could very well have he could very well have his head cut off before this ends. He could very well never see freedom again. And so he says, "You know what? If I'm I'm ready to be sacrificed, it's good. I'm." As long as you guys are advancing the gospel, we saw that in chapter one, advancing the gospel, living for Christ, living in unity with one another, loving one another, fellowship with one another and pushing together as a body of Christ to advance the gospel and the kingdom of the world as a testimony to him. He says, I'm ready to sacrifice my life for that. Today, it's hard to get people to sacrifice an hour and a half on Sunday. Today, it's hard to get people to sacrifice a Saturday when we have a, an event or something. It's hard to get people to sacrifice their time and their, their energy and their, their money, their, their whatever it is, that whatever it is that's going on. It's hard. The hardest thing is to get people to sacrifice themselves by putting themselves in the life of someone else. I'm not just talking about, hey guys, y'all better come to the fall festival, y'all going to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being in the body of Christ and investing your life in one another. Doesn't have anything to do with me, doesn't have anything to do with the sheetrock, doesn't have anything to do with the classrooms. It has to do with the people that call this their home. This is a fellowship of believers. And we've said it over and over again. If this is not the place that God wants you to be, go. You've got to go where you can fellowship. You've got to go where you can invest yourself. Because if you're not investing yourself, you're damaging the testimony of Christ. And I can say that, and I, I really don't, you know, I'm not worried about somebody coming up afterward and say, prove it. I mean, I'm ready. There's lots of ways. I'm not saying it's the only way. You can damage the testimony of Christ by living in sin. You can damage by the way we talk, the way we think. You can damage it in lots of different ways. But I can assure you that if you are not living in unity with the body of Christ in a local fellowship of believers, you are damaging the testimony of Christ. To those that are lost in the world looking, going, what is this Jesus thing all about? Well, he must not be that big a deal because it ain't real important to them. You're damaging the testimony of Christ. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you've been born again, that, that hurts. It's one thing for me, uh, just for me. I mean, I can see my own, in my own life where I'm being a murmurer. And so it's one thing for me just to say, he's right, I need to do better. You know, that, that's one thing. But when I realize, hey, You're damaging who the world sees Jesus as if you are not invested in his body, in his bride, in his church. I've said this a hundred times. If I tell you, look, if I tell you, Carl, if I say, Carl, I'm going I'm going on a trip for three months. 
My wife, Dana, is going to be at home. I need you to check on her. I need you to keep her safe. And Carl never shows up to my house, not one time. And people attack my house and people, uh, you know, let let your imagination run wild. When I come home, I'm not going to be pleased with Carl. I'm going to come and I'm going to let all of my fury and my wrath go. Christ has put us in charge of his bride. Christ has made us part of his bride and he's called us to love one another. He's called us to protect one another. He's called us to exhort and encourage and lift up one another. And so when somebody's somebody is hurting, somebody's going through tragedy or whatever, and we just walk away. I can't imagine Jesus coming back and say, "Woo, you did a good job. Are you insane? I can't imagine that. And so understand what what Paul's saying here. And thankfully, I'm sure you'll be thankful that next week starts a different section. He's going to go off from church unity a little bit. But he says, he says here from the very beginning of chapter two to right here. I know it's taken us like three weeks to get that far. But from the very beginning of chapter two, understand this is important. It's vital. That you be in fellowship with the believers. It's vital that you think on other people's things, not just your own things. We saw that in verse 3. It's vital that you esteem others better than yourself. And it's vital for you to have this mind of Christ who humbled himself for you. And the reason it's vital is because to reject it damages who the world sees Jesus as. It damages the testimony of Christ. So today, I, I, get, I don't have, you know, a great call for you. If, you. if you have no desire to fellowship with the body, you need to examine yourself. I mean, does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. People stink. We're sinners. That's what we do. We sin. People sin against you. People sin against me. People hurt my feelings just like they hurt your feelings. It happens. That's what happens when you get involved with people's lives. But do you believe the gospel? The gospel says that so-and-so is a sinner and wretched. So it shouldn't be a shock. But the gospel also says that Christ has made them perfect. And if Christ has made them perfect, if I expect more, then I just said Christ is not enough. So understand, he's called you to unity. He's called you to fellowship. He's called you to be part of the body of Christ. And it's so important that Paul said, unless this is going on, I have run and labored among you in vain. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you've done.